Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome back to FCN's podcast. Emily, what are we talking about this week? Today, we're going to just start off with a super simple question. When should I start a blog? Okay. Sounds like fun. (laughs) Um, I mean, we could give a little bit of backstory that that's, it's something that seems, I mean, it's relatively high effort because, you know, you have to write a blog post on a regular basis, but it's also a cheap way to potentially do whatever you are trying to do with the blog. So it's a question that comes up fairly often in the Financial Coaches Community Facebook group of, hey, I'm trying to start a blog, or hey, I'm thinking about starting a blog. What should I think about? So trying to dive a little more into that of, yeah. So let's just start with, like I said, that super basic question. When should, instead of I will go with a financial coach or (laughs) an aspiring business owner, start a blog? Yeah, so... I I think that it's important to kind of place some framework around when you shouldn't start a blog. All right. When shouldn't I start a blog? Yeah. And then kind of build it from there. So, so I think the first thing is um, you should not start a blog when you need clients. Mm. So a lot of people that they say, Oh, start a blog because you're going to get clients. And yeah, blogs can be really all, any type of content creation can be really, really powerful for getting clients, but it is going to be a multi-year process. Yeah. And if you are saying, well, I'm going to start my business and within the next couple of years, I want to start getting clients or I'm going to give up. And people say, no, I can last for three years. No one does. Right. The, the, the reality is that is a horrible time to start a blog because it's just not going to generate clients, right? Uh, So that's the first one. Uh, The second thing is that, uh, you know, you should not start a blog when you have very limited time, right? Uh, Or any type of, of content creation. Content creation is incredibly difficult. It's incredibly hard work. And a lot of people look at, well, yeah, but there's like, Dave Ramsey, he's got, you know, a huge audience. He's got blogs and all this other stuff. And he, and he makes a huge amount of money off of it. Uh, he also has guy, a huge ahead. team. There you go. Right. <laughs> you, you have the money guide show or, you know, tons of different things that are out there. And they have an entire team of people. That Sorry to steal the punchline, but I, I, yeah. I was 100% sure I knew what the answer was. Yeah, so you knew the answer, it. yeah. And it's really important that you you realize that if you're going to get any traction out of it, you're going to spend an enormous amount of time. There are literally, you know, tens of thousands of blogs out there. Right? 
the vast majority of them have nine readers. <laughs> and the vast majority of the ones that have large numbers of readers don't make any money off of it. I was reading um, the last book with the AFCPE book study was mm -hmm. an interesting book with a lot of, you know, relevant things, but it, it was very obvious that it was 20 years old or so because it talked about, I think it was, it was either blogs. It might've even just been website. It's like, you know, there's 20,000 blogs or something like that. It's like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. When was this book written? I don't know if that was the first time that made me flip back to see when it was written, but yeah, we're, we're far past 20,000 blogs. Yeah. There might be 20,000 blogs on personal specific finance. topics. Yeah. And yeah, even within personal finance. Yeah. And that's a good transition to starting to talk about when you should start a blog. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, and so to sum, to sum all of that up, basically, it sounds like starting a blog when you're first starting your business is blogging is a long game. It's not going to get your results quickly. And when you're first starting your business, most people are focusing on what can get me results now to start the ball rolling as yeah. opposed to playing the three the years game. game. Yeah. Okay. So when should you start a blog? So I would say that you want to start a blog once you have a few things in place. Uh, the first one and the most, and the biggest one is when you have something to say. Hmm. And I would say 99% of personal finance blogs have nothing to say. Right. Ouch. No offense to anyone out there who's writing a blog that you're very passionate about. I'm sure that you are passionate. I'm sure that it is guys good information in it and it has nothing to say. Right. Like you just said, there are probably 20,000 personal finance blogs. If, if not many times more, if not many times more. And the question that you have to ask yourself is in all honesty, what is going to be in your blog that is not already repeated 20,000 times elsewhere? Yeah. You rehashing, this is what a budget is, or this is what that, right? A lot of the things that you'll see on this checklist of here are topics to talk about in your blog, right? Chat GPT. I was yeah. just thinking about that, of having AI say, what should I write about my personal finance blog? Yeah. You know, that's not going to get you an audience. That's not going to get you an audience that's going to be motivated to work with you. That's not going to get you an audience that is, um, that's going to have a sense of community or identity, right? It's just not. And so you have to have something to say, whatever that is. Now, a lot of people will say, well, yeah, but Dave Ramsey just gave a bunch of basic information. Yeah. Dave Ramsey also started 40 years ago. Yeah. And 40 years ago, that was something to say because no one was talking about it. Yeah. Right. Same thing with Rick Edelman, right? On the financial advisor side. Yeah. He started doing radio shows when there weren't really any radio shows out there about this. A radio station took a chance on him and then it got popular enough that he was able to syndicate. Right. And, you know, that's not the case right now. Yeah. Number one, there's a it's saturated. There are personal finance things everywhere on the internet. Number two, all the things that you're probably going to talk about have already been talked about. Yeah. And number three, 
you don't have the advantage that Dave Ramsey and Rick Edelman had, which was a radio station took a <laughs> chance on them and had this massive marketing machine with a built-in audience already there on day one. So there's another time you should start a blog. If a platform that you know or associated with is like, hey, we want you to write a blog for us to our audience of X thousand, X 10,000, X whatever people. Right. That seems like a great opportunity. because Then that would be a good opportunity. In. Yeah, right. But you know, just starting one out of scratch is not going to help you help. So when I say when you have something to say, what does that mean? Well, number one, it's when you have a niche that is actually a niche. Right. A lot of people, when they say, oh, here's my niche, that is not a niche. That is a description of the people that you serve. <laughs> right. Or the description of what you do. Right. Um, so the more specific your niche is, the better. Uh, an example of a niche. Right. If we want to get into like an example of a niche that would actually make sense from a blog perspective, would be a niche of um, an attorney that only does family attorney law that specializes in the, uh, and so also only does prenup and postnup agreements hmm. for uh, same-sex couples who are getting married after being in a civil union prior to the same-sex marriage laws changing. Is that a too weirdly specific niche? Oh, God, no. Okay. because Absolutely not. I can't imagine there are too many people where that is the only thing that they do. It's, pro it's probably not. Okay. But That's that why in launch, we tell you to go do research to yeah. figure out how many people actually fit in, into your niche, both to say... Is this too large and is this too small? So there's there's probably not a lot of attorneys that specialize in that. Exactly. So but I will tell you right now, if one did, they would clean up. At least That's for the fair. next decade. That's fair. Because there is a large number of people who are same sex. Yeah. There's a large number of them who, who are in same sex civil unions because the law changed relatively recently. And there is a large number of them that are. Uh, and they could also maybe do divorce as well, right? And there are a large number of them that also got married when the laws changed. Mm -hmm. So that is a pretty large audience, right? Now, a lot of people say, well, so yeah. The lawyers have an audience. Would the financial coach work? Oh, you're saying the lawyer who works with that population. The lawyer that works with that population. Uh, okay, that'll make sense. I was understanding yeah. you to say, if you're a financial coach who works with lawyers who work with- No, 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 yeah, yeah. No, there this is the there can't be more than like, five you know maybe 20 like that that seems like a too small niche yeah ah for the lawyer that is a very specific yes okay okay yeah. we're on the same page now i'm no longer thinking you're totally crazy so now for the that question reason comes yeah so now the question becomes what does the lawyer write about mm -hmm. the lawyer writes about that yeah <laughs> right every time uh, they have a case with a client where they're going through things and they're and they've identified oh this is an interesting little difference right they write an article about, here's another example of how this situation is different than the typical family situation, yeah. the typical divorce, the typical whatever, right? That is something that people will read. Mm -hmm. You won't read it. No. 
I won't read. I mean, I probably would out of curiosity, but I'm not going to read it on a regular basis. Yeah. Right. But people who are in that group, they absolutely will read it because it speaks directly to them and it has stuff in there that no one else has on there. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I, I have a, a financial coach who's a client and uh, she does work with. Uh, so what, what she does is only financial coaching for recently graduated veterinary students. Mm. Right. As they get into uh, the veterinary career. Mm-hmm. Right. She also was a vet herself, a veteran mm-hmm. herself, right? Trained, so on and so forth. Very, very specific. That's something where it's not talking about budgeting and debt management. It's literally talking about the process of beginning your career as a vet. Mm-hmm. And that's, and then of course, the financial aspects of that, because finance right. spend everything, right? That becomes something that can, that, that could be really valuable and that mm-hmm. people would read. Not you, not I. Right. People who just recently graduated veterinary school or are about to graduate veterinary school, right? Yeah. Or entering their career. So when we when we look at this, you have to have something to say. You, you to a specific to, audience. To a specific audience. And it has to be something that is dramatically different than other things that are out there. Right. Ramit Sethi. Mm-hmm. He built a huge audience mm-hmm. because he had something to say. Mm-hmm. He went against the grain of a lot of the other people that were out there talking about this type of stuff. And he said it in a manner that is offensive <laughs> to certain groups of people. Right. I remember when I was reading his book for the first time, I didn't know much about him. I was just like, oh, people say this is a really good book. I feel like I should read it. And I was like, oh my gosh, what do you. Oh, he's Indian. Okay. He's allowed to make these jokes because he is Indian and he's making fun of Indian people. And like he, his most recent one that I've been hearing is he makes fun of some financial advisors and he's always like, is it Chet? Is his name Chet? Like, again, he, yeah. Yeah. He's he's very outspoken. The way I describe Borderline offensive. Yeah. He's the way I describe him. He doesn't pull punches. Yeah. His book is dripping with testosterone. It's better. I think the newer version is better. I've heard you say that before. And I was like, I don't remember that much from the version I read because I think it got redone, but I think he has grown a lot in the 20 years, but yeah, it's the same sort of, he's got a perspective. He knows what he's saying. He's doing it differently. And it's not just, oh, I'm talking about budgeting in a different way. It's yeah. Yeah. So that is, that is the first thing is, do you have something to say? Yeah. The second thing that you want to look for is, do you have the ability to actually take advantage of it? Mm. If you do build an audience, what happens then? Yeah. Right. A lot of people will place a blog up and they will have, um, they will say, okay, well, the blog's up and we are ready to start running the business and people are going to come in. Right. And, oh, I've got 300 readers. Why has no one reached out to me? Having a blog and having a website with a link for scheduling a meeting is not a marketing system. And when you look at companies that run successful blogging businesses, right, 
that those companies have entire marketing systems behind them. And there is very little point to putting all of the effort into building a blog if you've got, if the blog isn't sending people anywhere. Yeah. And so you need to have a, an entire system in place, an ecosystem in place to guide people through that process. Um, most of the blogs that you'll see out there or any other type of content creation, they are the beginning step of a very long process that gets people into buying stuff. And by blogs and content creation, you mean of large companies, of, of successful, yeah. of, of, of successful, of successful. Yeah. Of yeah. successful companies. Yeah. Even for example, um, so, so if you don't have, yeah, we don't have to go into examples, but if you don't have a, that ecosystem, mm-hmm. it's not going to be successful. Because right? you're, you're opening the door, but you're not, you're, you're, you have a door. It is the door, but you're not opening the door and telling people, Hey, you're supposed to come inside. So you can go down this yeah. hallway and then up this side of stairs. And then it's the third door on the left. It's just like, Hey, there's a door. I, would even I made a door further is you've got a door sitting out in the middle of a field. <laughs> and there's nothing else. And there's nothing oh, else no. behind the door. And you're wondering why people aren't coming in and staying at your hotel. Oh, that's a sad, that's sad. I don't like that. How about there's a door? No, no, no. that's okay, what fine, it is. Because you yeah, haven't built anything yeah, else, right? Yeah, that's true. There's a door yeah. and there's a destination, but there's no directions on how to get, there's no infrastructure of any kind to get from the door yeah. to the destination. Because I would guess most people starting a blog have a destination. They have some sort of a plan of when I have a client, I'm going to do this. Or I have three clients yeah. and I'm working they'll, with them in that way. A, they'll have a website that has a scheduling link on it. They'll yeah. talk about their coaching on their website. But that presumes that someone's going to read one article, mm-hmm. be super excited about it, and then decide yeah. to get it, right? And that generally doesn't happen. It generally requires a lot more nurturing, right? Yeah. Uh, blogs are oftentimes considered nurturing campaigns mm-hmm. where you nurture a relationship, but you have to realize that that means that there was already a relationship and nurturing isn't the only thing that you're doing. Yeah. Right? And that's a, that's a really important aspect of it is it, it is a part of a larger campaign, but it cannot be the entire campaign. Yeah. It's one piece of it. Um, And there's other things that would be far more valuable to actually getting clients early on to build out in that part of the campaign. So a lot of people will, a lot of big companies will have a blog. And then every time the, the blog comes out, they will have in the blog, a lead magnet, Mm. right? A large document that's valuable to the audience that, um, that they, then exchange their email for and it builds relationship and so on and so forth right to use the lawyer example from earlier it might be a a you know, five things to consider before getting married about whether you need a prenup or something like that or yeah. or 20 reasons why this situation is different yeah. than the marriage yeah. right 20 so differences yeah. yeah and so you've got you know you've got this lead magnet and the blog is there to kind of get people to at least come in and interact. Then the blog gets people to get the lead magnet, which then moves them into the rest of their campaign. 
Well, that lead magnet by itself is going to be more valuable than the blog. Right. Yeah. If I create just that and I'm that lawyer, that means that I can then take that lead magnet that have nothing else other than my contact information on it. And I can make it available to CPAs and other professionals in the area, right? To help so, so that when they have a client that's in that situation, they can provide them with the with this PDF or this document. I can mm -hmm. take that lead magnet and if I ever get um if I ever get interviewed, right? I can mention, hey, you can come get the lead magnet on this website. Uh, I can take that lead magnet and I can actually print it off as a book. And when I go to conferences or other things where my niche is at, mm -hmm. I can hand them out. Right. right. So, and those are all going to be so much more powerful for getting clients, especially early on than having a blog. And so the blog is honestly one of the last things that you might build out in an ecosystem. Now that doesn't mean that it's absolutely the last thing because you're always adding and, and evolving your marketing ecosystem, right? But you definitely, there's the other parts of the ecosystem are going to be more beneficial, <laughs> right? Early on. And by themselves, they will be more beneficial than the blog would be. And the blog kind of comes in place once, oh, I've got these other things that I've built out. And now I can use the blog to start bringing people into those other things. And that becomes a more valuable process. So we just had a question. We've you've Ooh. ragged a little bit on blogs and content creation in general. I have a blog, so I out. love blogs, right? When so you're I'm, starting yeah. out. Yes, when that. you're starting out. So the question was, well, it was so you don't suggest any content creation when starting out. So phrase that too, what content creation in your from your perspective, is it worth spending time on when you're starting? Yeah, so I would say a YouTube channel, um, any type of content creation, not a good idea when you're starting out, right? I'll give a good example of this. Uh, there is a, a gardening uh, YouTube channel, so content creation. There's, there's a lot of gardening YouTube There channels. are a lot. There's of one that. specific one that you're going to talk about. There's one specific one I'm going to talk about. And it is, uh, it's called Epic Gardening. And they started their uh, YouTube channel. They had a lot of things going for them from a content creation standpoint. Uh, but they started their YouTube channel like six months before the pandemic. Mm. <laughs> so the pandemic hits. And, and at the time, he was gardening in a very, very small space where he had like 14 inches between each bed. And, he and I'm guessing everyone knows exactly where this is going. And he, had, and he had, was gardening in like pots in a balcony and everything. So mm -hmm. pandemic starts, lots of people are interested in gardening. Not very many people have two acres of land. And so all these things come together and his YouTube channel just takes off, right? Um, gets huge audiences, everything else. And really didn't make very much money at all off of it, right? Had really big audiences, mm -hmm. not making very much money. He then uh, built out a, a deal with a company in Australia 
that sells beds, uh, garden beds, to be the U.S. distributor. Mm. So build a really, really massive deal with a well-established company to be the only distributor in the United States, <laughs> right? Which is a huge market. Yeah. And that's where he makes almost all of his money. Now, now he also has a whole bunch of other stuff. He's creating his own products. He bought a seed company that you've probably seen in Home Depot, <laughs> right? So, I mean, he's, he's turned it into this pretty big empire. And, you know, the, but the, the podcast itself wasn't really doing much for him. It's not until he started building out these other aspects of it, right, uh, that he actually started to make money off of it. But would he have had access to the other aspects if he didn't have the audience? He No, he would not have had the aspect to the other audience, but he got really lucky with timing. Yeah. He also had, to a certain extent, he also had a very specific niche. Just there was an external event that happened that suddenly, you know, 500x the time of of his niche because it went from, oh, yeah, cool. I want to garden on my balcony to, oh, everybody wants to garden on their balcony in their backyard. Now, here's the punchline. Mm -hmm. It took him three years to start making money, any money. Mm. Right. So we're talking uh, like, like I just gave you. And a pandemic. (laughs) Handed to you every possible thing that could possibly go right for this guy. Right but it still took him three years, right? And so if you're not gonna end up with a situation where you're going to just happen to have the exact right thing at the exact right time and a global pandemic hits and a, a agreement with a, uh, a large well-established, right? All these things go into place and it still took him three years to actually start making And if off. you can predict that all the things are gonna happen to you, please call me because I'd like to set up a lottery ticket purchase right. because that right. sounds cool. Um, okay. So then follow-up question to that. Mm-hmm. How do you build no like, and trust the whole, you know, people have to get to know you, then they have to decide if they like you or not. Then they have to decide that they trust you without putting content out. And what do you do with your lead magnet? How, how do you get people to your lead magnet without a blog, yeah. without content creation, without yeah. YouTube, Facebook, social media, et cetera? So, so we'll start with, how do you get no like and trust? I would argue a YouTube, uh, a YouTube channel or a blog is going to be a lot less valuable for no like and trust than a really valuable lead magnet. Okay. Right? Then, then a you know twelve page, fifteen page ebook crammed with really good information for that specific niche, where the person goes, "Wow, this person! It feels like this person is talking to my soul. They understand exactly what I'm going that, through and what I need." Which that means you sense. have to go back to you have to have something to say. Fair. So, so you have an amazing lead magnet. Okay. How so do you get it to people? How do you get people to? So how do we get it to people? That's where you have to realize that you kind of have to bring it to people, right? Mm-hmm. The blog is the easy way out. It's I'm going to put something up there and wait for people to come find mm-hmm. me. The problem is you can ask the same question about the blog. How are you going to get people to the blog? Yeah. So whatever mechanism you're going to use to get people to the blog, Use that to get people skip to the, the blog. <laughs> yeah, right. Go direct to the source, right? So sense. how do you do that? Uh, you know, I gave a few when I gave the lawyer example, right? Printing off copies of it, nice looking copies of it, and bringing it with you to conferences that your ideal client goes to. 
uh, or giving it out to other people that work with your ideal client, right? Um, now, a lot of people say, well, why would a CPA hand out this thing? Well, they wouldn't unless there's something really valuable inside of it. It has to be really good. <laughs> yeah, it has to be really good. Um, similarly, we uh, you, you can just run, you put the lead magnet on your website as a download, right? And maybe have two email follow-ups, right? Not a blog, just a couple of email follow-ups when people download and literally just send that out, right? Just And just do ads for that. Mm-hmm. Just literally run ads directly. Whether paid ads, whether sharing it in Facebook groups that are relevant to your niche when you're allowed to do that, obviously be careful because lots of groups have very strict yeah. self-promotion rules, but that kind of finding places where your niche is. And so that's a really good thing that I think would be worthwhile talking about. Okay. Uh, to the now, list, but a future one, which is just, should I do paid ads mm. or should I just participate in paid ads show? versus free? Mm-hmm. I think that's ways of getting information out. That is a good idea. Yeah. So when we look at that question though, right, the, the idea of when should we do create a blog, it's generally going to be most beneficial for you later in your marketing ecosystem development, right? Now this doesn't mean you can't do it your first year, right? It's, this is not about, you can't create a blog for three years, (laughs) This is about what do you have the other things in place before you jump to block? So it sounds like to me, there's not necessarily the the downside to creating a blog early on is whether or not you very carefully consider the question, are there more useful things I could do with my time? Yes. It's yeah. the, the, really the, the only downside is the time suck that content creation can be. And where should you be putting that time? And is that time best served? I mean, if you have, you're like, oh my gosh, I have so much time. I'm out of things to watch on Netflix. Sure, I guess I'll start a blog. Great, start a blog. If you're going, I don't have enough time in my day. I really need to get my business going. I really want to get my business going. Maybe there are better things to be spending your time on that will pay off more quickly. Is that fair? I would even argue if you haven't started the business and done the other things, even if you have plenty of time, use that time for other things. Well, yeah. Yeah. If you, if you, yeah, basically the biggest downside is, is this the best? The biggest question is, is starting a blog the best use of your time? The question is generally no, unless you have something to say to a specific audience. And what were the other things? Now I'm blanking. You have an ecosystem. Yeah. You you have, you have the rest of the hotel built. (laughs) You're not just planting the door in the middle of the field. Yeah, you have something to say and you have something to use your voice for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and that goes for pretty much any content creation. It's, I, I see a lot of people posting like little one sentence, hey, this is a budget thing, right? Mm-hmm. And people will, there, there are two groups of people that this falls into. A, people who are doing that and they're not getting any traction whatsoever because no one's going to hire a coach off of a meme. You're not going to hire your doctor off of a meme that you saw. Probably not. The, the counterproductive right. side or the um, 
devil's advocate side of me says, I bet you could build a niche around memes, but that's different. Anyway. And then the second thing, the second group of people are they've got the entire ecosystem. And so the memes are just one additional, it, they're, they're really designed not to get people in. They're really designed as easy touch points. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, so next question, we've got one more follow-up question. Blogs and SEO. Is a blog, yes. isn't a blog good for SEO? Absolutely. Which could be increasing traffic to your website and your lead magnet and all of those things. So can a blog be good for SEO? Yes. Yeah. Is it good for SEO? Not in the way people think. Mm, okay. So Google's SEO system is incredibly, incredibly advanced. Mm -hmm. right? And like I actually have an entire lecture on Google's SEO system. It's called Rank. It's an it's an artificial intelligence that is pretty darn advanced. So this is why Google is the best search engine. And whenever it's, people are like, oh yeah, use this one. I'm like, no. Not so good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's a reason. It's not just brand loyalty. Okay. No. Yeah. So they, they've got this and it actually will look at your content and it will identify, is this content different and valuable and distinct from other content that is out there? Going back to point number one, start your I, blog when you've got something unique to say to a, yeah. And it will actually harm your search rankings if it's rehashes of other things that are already out there. So It'll, the idea I had earlier that I didn't say anything about of using chat GPT to write blog posts that you then tweak and edit is absolutely a terrible idea. It can because be. But the SEO may and editing you do, I suppose. Right. Suppose. If you're using it to get the framework and then you are completely rewriting it, then that could be worthwhile. Yeah. Um, if you're copy pasting, then Google's going to go, uh-uh, nice try. Oh, actually, and, that's one thing it looks for is plagiarism. Yeah. It will actually blacklist sites for plagiarism. Yeah. Uh, it, it obviously, Fair. not for having like one little plagiarized thing, but yeah. It, yeah, there's a whole bunch of things that it'll blacklist sites for. So can a blog be really good for SEO? Yes. If it's a really good quality. If it's really good quality. If it's, it's not, up. it's just rehashing the stuff that's out there. It will do nothing for your SEO or it could actually harm it. Interesting. And your, um, and so the, you know, that having something to say is really important, right? Uh, your lead magnet is good for SEO. <laughs> that makes sense. Right? Because it's, it's content. Um, you know, there, there are things that a blog does that does improve SEO. And it's definitely not something I'm saying you shouldn't do, right? It's just, you have to, you want it to do the things that have the least amount of your effort with the most impact. And a blog, it does a lot of good things, but it's definitely not the most impact for the least effort. That is just a lot of work. Yeah, that makes sense. One super, super quick question just came up. Somebody is at the point in their business, personally for me, um, <laughs> if you're at the point in your business, you've got, a, you've got your hotel built, you know exactly what the blog, what the purpose is. You're the best writer ever, or you've got a somebody writing for whatever. You're writing, putting out amazing content. How often should you post? Is this a once a week? Is this a twice a month? Is this a once a month? Is there a basic guideline? 
Yes. And you then we'll post, shut it down. But you should post half as often as you can write. So ah. <laughs> if you can write one article a week, then you should post every other week. If you cannot write two articles a month, you should post once a month. Once a month. Yeah. And the uh, those are the things that re- that that's a really important thing because the most important thing with a blog is consistency. Yeah. Right. Any content creation. People don't really care if you're doing it once a week, once a day, or once a month, as long as what you do, you do. Yeah. Right. Uh, the and you kind of set that expectation. Right. The and, and you want to do it half as often as you can do it because life is going to come up. Right. And it's nice to have a backlog so you can take vacation. Right. And and you need to make sure that it's half as often as you can do it, not half as often as you think you can. do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is really, really important. So the blog that I have for my nonprofit. In the beginning, I was doing two articles a week. Uh, then I dropped down to one article a week and now I very rarely post just a few times a year. Now the blog was not really set up as a blog. It was more set up as a resource of information. So once that resource of information was kind of filled, right, then that's great. But I will tell you right now, in the beginning, I had the energy to do two a week. I very quickly lost that energy <laughs> and went down to one. Yeah. Right. And I wasn't done with all the content. I was just losing the energy. And then once I had gotten like, okay, this is the good baseline that I wanted. My energy to do more was just gone. And if your strategy is I'm going to actually create a blog, right, mm-hmm. which is I'm going to publish on an ongoing basis forever burning yourself out early is really dangerous. Yeah, that makes sense. So test it for six months (laughs) before you actually publish anything. That makes sense. And that that also helps you create a backlog as well, an extra backlog so that when you want to go on vacation or when you get sick or when you just don't feel like writing that week, then you've got things built up. Exactly. All right. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.